over there, but we've got, we've printed off some more. If you need a lesson, raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. I don't know if they've got any extra upstairs or not, but anyway, hope you got what you need upstairs. All right. Anybody else need a lesson? Raise your hand real high. I want to make sure right here. Got several over here. It's just like an epidemic right in this section right here. Come on. There we go. That's Robin's section. All right. Yeah, we'll blame it on Robin. There we go. All right. Everybody got one? Joshua chapter number one. Joshua chapter number one. While you're turning, while you're turning, I was back there and I was shaving trying to look presentable for you today. And I cut my lip. I'm talking about, you know, fellas, when you cut your lip and you know you're going to hemorrhage from that one. I mean, you just know you've just about cut your lip off. I thought, oh, no, I'm too close to church time. I'm going to be bleeding. And so it reminded me of a joke I heard. <clears throat> a, a preacher, right before he went to church, he, he cut his lip shaving, sure enough, and, and uh, went into church and told the church, sorry, uh, before church, I was focusing on my sermon and uh, my outline, and I cut my, I cut my lip shaving. And uh, after the service was over, uh, one of his deacons said, Preacher, you should have been focusing on your sermon and, or focusing on your shaving and cut your sermon. Amen? <laughs> so, <clears throat> let's hope that won't be the case tonight. Amen? All right. If you're here for the very first time tonight, we are going through the book of Joshua. Joshua is a book of victory. Living victoriously. How many of y'all know God wants you to live victoriously? He wants us to live victoriously. He wants us to have freedom in Christ, and that's what we've been studying. Uh, several things that we, we talked about last week uh, is we have to learn to hear from God. We have to learn to hear from God. One of the, one of the points we're going to deal with tonight is going is to touch on that subject a little bit. Now, here's what I want to do. I've got a sign-up sheet. I've got a sign-up sheet at 411, and, uh, and uh, that sign-up sheet is for the purpose of this. I've got a packet. It's called the, 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 the devotional packet uh, for our discipleship program, but it's primarily, it teaches you how to have a devotional time with God. In other words, how to talk to Him and Him talk to you. The first step to gaining victory is hearing from God, learning to hear from God. The Bible says the Lord spake, then Joshua did. Every time Joshua did what the Lord said, they were victorious. When he didn't hear from God and he acted anyway, he failed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, if, if you want one of these, I, I'll, I'll print out all the, all the ones that will sign up for it. I'm not going to print out 450 of them and then 300 or 100 of them lay back there and waste all that paper. But if you would like one of these, you sign up on that, on that sign-up sheet, and I'll make sure you get one of these. It's really, really simple. It is an awesome, awesome tool to learn how to have a devotional time with God every single day of your life. If, if that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, so let's jump right on in here to Joshua and learn something tonight, all right? We stopped, we stopped last week at verse 9. And matter of fact, if you were breaking these up, uh, you'll find that Joshua 1... 1 through 9 is God speaking. Say that with me. It is. And then verses 10 all the way down through verses number 15 is Joshua speaking. Now, God speaks to Joshua. Then Joshua speaks to the people. And then verse 16 uh, through 18, the people speak back to Joshua. All right? Does that make sense? Well, let's start in verse number 10. Verse number 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the Lord, or the word, which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed and all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord have given you your brethren rest as he hath given you and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return into the land of your possession and... 
How many are glad that God will give us something to enjoy? Which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house and to speak to a great crowd of people. And, and Lord, as we study together, as we learn together, as we grow together, as we mature together, we, we are so glad that we have a Bible that we can read and study. And, Lord, a Bible that will edify us and encourage us, Lord. It will also challenge us and convict us, Lord. And I pray that you'll just do all those things tonight. Lift us up. Give us what we stand in need of, Lord, as we, we do everything we can to grow and learn about you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We have a... Thank you so much. We have a new leader. We have a new day. Uh, Joshua is taken over, has taken over for Moses. And now, God's already spoken to him in the first section of this chapter. Uh, we learned last week that God gave him a purpose. He said, you're going to take the children of Israel into the land of promise, and you're going to help them gain their inheritance. You're going to divide this land to them. You're going to go in, conquer it, then divide it to all the nation of Israel. All right? Then he gave them a promise. He said, everywhere you go, nobody's going to be able to defeat you. Everywhere you go, every place your foot lands, it's going to be given you. I have given this to you. Then he gives them a prerequisite. He says, but here's what you got to understand. You got to stay focused on the word of God. This law that I've commanded you, don't let it, don't let it come out of your mouth. You speak it all the time. Let it always be in your mouth. In other words, meditate on it. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. You focus. You do what it says. You follow the word of God. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt be of good success. Right? That's what God told Joshua. All right, Joshua steps forward. He gets all the leaders of the people. Moses has the people very, very organized. They have different leaders over different people and on down the line all the way uh, down the chain of command, if you will. And, and Joshua begins his leadership. Joshua is taking command. He tells the people, he says, listen, go through, pass through all of the people and command the people. I, I like that. Joshua didn't take a poll. He didn't, he didn't ask permission to lead. He was God's man at God's time, and he gave them God's word. They didn't have to vote on anything. Listen, when you get a clear command, now I'm not, I'm not against counseling. You've got to understand something. I love counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel there is safety. I believe in counsel, but I don't think you need a, 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 a study session when you have a clear, clear command of God. I don't think you've got to vote on whether or not uh, you can live together without being married. <clears throat> I don't think you have to vote on, on stuff of that nature. When you have a clear word from God, then you go with it. And that was the confidence we see in Joshua. He said, go command the people. And, and the, this is a funny thing that he did. I, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this and, and going over this. He said, prepare victuals. Victuals. Now, I use the word vittles. Now, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say vittles? Okay? Now, think about this. We're going to battle. We're fixing to cross an obstacle, the Jordan River. All right, we've got a serious situation to lay ahead of us, and, and we've got to figure out how to conquer this river, and then we're going to go over and conquer the land. We've already got our purpose, and he says we need to make something to eat. I thought, man, he was a Baptist. Amen? They said, he has to be. We got a big job ahead of us, and all he can think about is eating. Well, here's the thing. This is what the Lord said. It is as important what he didn't do is as much as what he did do. In other words, first, we can see he didn't try to figure out how to get the job done. He didn't try to figure out how he himself was going to solve the problem of crossing the river. He didn't go through the people and figure out who in the world knew how to build a boat to get all of us across that river. 
He didn't sit up worrying about it all night long, figuring out how am I going to do this? Now God doesn't give me something to do. I don't even know how I'm going to. Like many of us, come on. He didn't do all that stuff. He didn't worry about that. He got a command from God. He turned around and told the people, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've already been all up, all the way on up into chapter number 2 and chapter number 3 and, 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 and dealing. There's, uh, boy, there's some stuff up there I want to get to tonight, but we can't. But I promise you this, he didn't worry about solving a problem. If God said it was going to happen, he trusted and believed it was going to happen. So why is it so significant? Why is it so significant that he said, prepare you victuals? I mean, when I read that, the very first time I read that, that phrase stood out to me more than any of them, and I just kept going back and going back and going back. Why is that so important? He didn't say, sharpen the swords. He didn't say, we need to get the spears together. He said, prepare you victuals. He did not say something that was going to affect the outside. In other words, something that you could do with your hands on the outside as much as what the food was going to do on the inside. What does he know? You're fixing to go into a fight. You're fixing to go into a battle. You're fixing to go into a situation where we have to be nutritionally ready. What is food? It is fuel. We have this thing going on right now with our staff. And uh, just, a, just a little friendly competition to try to help encourage us all to stay healthy and get healthy. And, and, uh, and, and it don't matter. I, Brother Scott Campbell, most of y'all know him. Uh, he's a young, young man. And he just had a heart attack yesterday. And uh, so and we, this is motivating, amen? I mean, we're trying to do all the health thing. And we're learning about how to, how to be healthy in our eating and all that kind of stuff. And when you study all that stuff out, you'll learn that food is fuel. That's all it is. It's fuel to, to sustain you. It's fuel to give you what the energy that you need to do what you need to do. And the first thing that, I mean, the very first command that this general, this general of the army, this general of the nation of Israel says is we need to eat. Now let's apply that. Let's apply that. What were the four different things, four times you heard a phrase given in chapter number one? Be strong. Say it with me. Be strong. Come on, everybody. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. And of a good courage. Now, courage, courage is one thing, but being strong is another. You can, you can be strong and have no courage. But you can be weak and have great courage. But the first thing he said is be strong. I was looking at this. Number one, three things we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to hurry through because I want to I really deal with the last part and hope I get time to get there. But we're going to look at vittles, victors, and vows. Say that with me. Say it again. All right, look what it says in verse number Verse number 11. Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. Now, I use the word victuals. I figured we'd all know what that meant more than this. The same thing. Prepare you provisions. Prepare you food. For in three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you to possess this. All right, number one. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing I see here, the first thing I see here, and, and look what Job said in Job 23, 12. Look at your notes. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of thy lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What he's saying right there, he's talking about my spiritual food is more important than my physical food. In other words, he's talking about the Word of God. He's saying the Word of God to me is more important than my own physical food. Now, is that true? Well, let's go to the, let's go to the wilderness when Jesus was being tempted of Satan in the wilderness. Forty days he was being tempted. Forty days he had ate nothing. And here comes the devil to tempt him. If thou be the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread itself or bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You know what Jesus was saying there? He was making a statement. The Word of God is more important than the biscuits and gravy you ate this morning. 
This is more important than your daily food. It's more important than the lunch you ate today. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're anything like me, that stuff is pretty doggone important. Are y'all with me? Now, I like to eat. I was with a, a gentleman yesterday, uh, 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5.30 in the morning at, at, at CRMC, and uh, he was having surgery, and, uh, and, and it was really, really serious surgery. You know, they can't, they, you can't have nothing to eat and all that kind of thing. They didn't take him back to like 1 o'clock that afternoon. Now, I don't know about you, but he had no coffee. He had nothing to eat. He had no, I'd have needed more than surgery. Say amen. Now, we, we know that this is serious. This is serious. Our, our daily nutritional intake is serious. We like food. We need food. We want food. You don't believe it? Go without it for a little bit. That's why fasting is so powerful with God, because God knows if you put away food, you're serious about what you're asking for. And, and here's the point. When we apply the book of Joshua to our life, why do they need food to be strong? Write this down. We need, listen, we need vittles for strength. We need the Word of God for strength. The Bible says this, <clears throat> Jeremiah 15, 12. Jeremiah 15, 12, look at your notes. Thy words were found, and I did what? Come on, everybody, and I did and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Let me read the first part again. Thy words were found, and I did. Now, now listen, this, is, this has been called the bread of life. You know, this has been called, when, there's an illustration, an application. It says when the man of God breaks the bread of life, when it takes it, and it compares the word of God to food. This is your daily food. This is your daily nutrition. This is what we have to feed on spiritually, spiritually. And you say, why, why did Job feel like, why did Job feel like that this was more important than his, daily, than his physical food? Because we're not in a physical fight. We are in a spiritual fight. This battle that we're talking about, this victory that we want to claim, this victory that we want to have, it is not necessarily a physical victory. It is a spiritual victory. The battle is the Lord's. This, this issue that we have, it is a spiritual fight. Are y'all with me? Now, let's look at your notes a minute. Look at your notes in Ephesians chapter number 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be what? Be what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How are we going to do that? With His Word. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, and that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, or having done all to stand. Now, here's the thing. Be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we have to go against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. Then he, then he reiterates what he's saying, and he explains it even more. He says, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our fight is not with the one sitting beside us. Our fight is not with the one at work. Our fight is not with Hillary Clinton or President Obama. Our fight is not with the governor. Our fight is not even with the, the people who run the abortion clinics. Our fight is not there. It is not a physical fight. It is not a fight in the flesh. According to this, it's against principalities. It's against powers. Against, are y'all with me? Now let me explain that a minute. Principalities. That is a realm. It is a, uh, you look up the word, it means a territory of a prince. Do you realize that the demonic forces that are, are, are accosting us every day are very, very organized? Now let's imagine this. Three named angels in the Bible. Three named angels in the Bible. Actually, especially archangels. These are, these are head angels. These are leader angels. Archangels. Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. Lucifer, we know, was the majestic angel. He was the angel responsible for worship. All right? Then there is Michael. He's the, uh, he's the angel of war. Every time you see him, he's fighting. He's leading the charge. 
Then you have Gabriel, the messenger angel. He's the one that came to Zechariah and told him that you're going to have a son. He came to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. He's the messenger angel. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now, each one of them are probably responsible for a group of angels. When, when the angels were cast out of heaven, when they followed Lucifer, how many of them was there? A third. How many named angels are there? Could it be that each one of them was responsible for a third of the angels in heaven and the ones that Lucifer was leading fell with him? Now, I, how many of y'all have, have ever said this? Boy, the devil's been on my back. Now, let's just be honest. There's probably nobody in this room that merits the devil's personal attention. And I'm not being smart, and I'm not being arrogant, because I'm in that list. I don't think I'm enough threat to the devil that I get his undivided attention. Because, see, he's a created being. He is not omnipresent like God is. God is everywhere all the time. If up, he's there. Down, he's there. Everywhere. The devil's not like that. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Y'all with me? But he's got help. And we're fighting against that. We're fighting against demonic forces. We're fighting a spiritual battle. But never, never, ever, never put it in your head that the spiritual doesn't affect the physical. There is a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual influence that, that is, is in this world. The Bible calls Satan the god of this world. He is the prince of darkness. He is the leader, and they are organized. According to this verse, they are not only organized, they are powerful. I hope you are listening. That's who we're fighting, not humans. Now, what's the point? In order to win this battle, we can't do it physically. It's got to be spiritually. Now, what are, what, what, how, how do we fight the devil? It says, look in your notes, look in your notes. <clears throat> look what it says in verse number uh, 11. Ephesians 6, 11. If it, right underneath strength. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. The schemes, the deceit, the trickery. What, how does the devil operate? With lies. He's the father of all lies. Are you all with me? How does the demonic forces work against you? With trickery, with deceit. He's an angel of light. In other words, he'll come like a prince in shining armor when he's really a killer in disguise. Y'all with me? Now watch. This is all going to make sense in just a minute. Be strong in the Lord. Why? Because somebody's coming at us with a lie. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not. But the only way to defeat a lie is with the That's what it says. Thy word is If we learn to feed victuals, if we learn to eat this, if we learn to feed on this every day, we'll become strong. I, I was looking up, I was looking up, everybody in here likes college football. You know, we, we mess around all the time with football and all that kind of stuff. I was, you would be amazed at the science that's going in to, to the nutrition and how they've caught on and realized that nutritional issues matter when it comes to success, I mean, I had all kinds of statistics and everything printed out, but I knew it would make me go way late. But hit, go and study that a bit. They are spending millions of dollars on nutritionists and people just simply to tell everyone in players what they can and cannot eat, how they eat, when they eat, where they eat, because their nutrition will determine their strength. But not only will it determine their strength, watch this, B, it will determine their stamina. Their stamina. Say that with me. It will determine their... Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> here's the deal. Look what it says. Well, let me, let, me, let me go back. Let me go back. Look what it says. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in. All right, now keep that in mind. Now in Romans 8, the very next verse I give you in your notes, Romans 8, 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors through Him. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, watch this, nor angels, now when he's saying angels there, he's not talking about the good ones. He's talking about the fallen ones. He's talking about the wicked ones. Are y'all with me? Nor angels, nor what? Principalities, nor what? Powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Neither height, all right, where was the wickedness? High places. Neither height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? All those things that were listed, they are coming against us. They will fight against us. And listen, if we allow it, they can defeat us, but they shouldn't. Because we are more than conquerors. Are y'all with me? Now watch. But we have to have stamina. Listen, here's, here's how I can explain this. Here's how I can explain this. Strength and stamina. What's the difference? Strength is the ability to say no. When temptation comes, when the issue you're fighting, when the, the, the situation you're facing, whatever that is, strength is the ability to say no. Stamina is the ability to keep saying no. What's the, what, what do you mean, preacher? I mean this. It's easy, it's easy to get out the blocks. But it's another thing to cross the line. There's a lot of people that start out good. There's a lot of people that start out with good intentions. And there's a lot, of, and, and you could apply this with the football deal. How many teams, how many teams have you seen? Or even fighters in the octagon or fighters in the ring. Man, that first round, buddy, they was all about it. Maybe that first quarter, they was all about it. Maybe that first period that they were playing, they were all about it. But by the time the game was almost over, and they get their eyes beat out. Let me illustrate this way. You come in here and you get all jacked up on Sunday and excited on Sunday. And I mean, God just fills your spiritual tank, it seems like, to hear. And you're all ready to go. But by the time Thursday gets, forget Thursday, Wednesday. Am I telling the truth? Some of you, you still ain't up yet. And as long as we get in here, we get, it's like we just get that shot in the arm and we're okay for a few more days. And oh, Lord, let Sunday get here. And boy, Sunday we get here and we're out. And it, oh, God, Monday's coming. We don't have no stamina. We have a temporary strength on somebody else's energy. When God says, I want you to be strong. I want you. Watch, let me watch this. Watch this. Look here, look here. Isaiah 40, right underneath stamina. <clears throat> right underneath stamina. Are y'all with me? I ain't lost you, have it. Come on now, get with me. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is what? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth to the who? And to them that have no might, he increased strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they, say that with me, but, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now here's the key, say it with me. They shall and not be, they shall and not, you know what I'm saying? They're going to have some stamina. Now if you're tired of the devil beating you up by Tuesday afternoon, and it's easy to shout in here on Sunday because the choir gets you all jacked up and excited and everything. And it's all, it just let's feel spiritual here. And that, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's been times, there's been times I got beat up by Sunday afternoon. I know I'm the only one, though. Let me tell you what's going to change that. 
daily nutrition. Learning how to feed on God's Word so that we will be physically, or excuse me, spiritually strong. You know what? I don't care how great the athleticism is on your team. I don't care how great the coaching is on your team. When your guys run out of gas, none of that matters. You could be in a, you could be in a drag race and your car have 1,000 horsepower, but you run out of gas and see what you're going to do. Am I, am I getting across to y'all? You could have the greatest Sunday school teacher in the world. You could, have, you could go to the greatest church in the world. You could hear the greatest preaching in the world. You could hear the greatest singing in the world. You can be around the greatest Christians in the world. But if you personally don't learn to feed on the Word of God for yourself, you're never going to have the strength and stamina to be victorious in your life. Way too many of God's people depend on the, the food that they're given on Sunday. I tell you what, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's eat physically how much we eat spiritually. For some of y'all, y'all ain't going to get to eat till Sunday and Wednesday. Because, see, you don't even know where your Bible is. So that's the only time you're going to hear any of it. Well, I'll just waste away. Kind of like you're doing spiritually. If you only eat twice a week, you're going to look rough after a while. Now, for me, it'd take a while, but I'd get there. Now, now this is humorous and we laugh because we know how silly that is. But that is the God's truth when it comes to us spiritually. You cannot spiritually survive if the only nutrition spiritually you get is on Sunday and Wednesday. That's why you say, well, is this that big a deal? Well, it's the big enough deal that Joshua told them the very first thing, you've got to get your food ready. Now, I would like to apply this, too. Because Joshua knew God was going to be the one doing the fighting. But we, had to need, we need the strength to do the following. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. Vittles. Say that with me. Vittles. Say it again. Vittles. Say it again. Vittles. All right. Eat your vittles between now and Sunday. Say amen. So I don't know how to do that. Well, there's a checklist out there at 411. You can pick it up. And I'll teach you how to cook. Amen? All right, secondly, look at the vows. Or excuse me, the victors. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. <clears throat> it says this, And to the Reubenites, verse 12, And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren all the mighty men of valor and until, until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it. Now, let's, let's explain this. All right, we have these two and a half tribes here. All right, the, the nation of Israel has come through. They've left Egypt. They've left uh, uh, the, 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 the place of slavery and bondage. They've gone through uh, 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 the wilderness. They get to the nation, or to really the promised land itself, and they didn't have enough faith to go in, and they rebelled against God. And because of that, God made them wander 40 more years out in the wilderness. Y'all with me? Until all of that generation, I believe it was from 20 years old and up, died. They never got to go in. 
So now, that 40 years is up, all of them are dead now, so God brings them back to the promised land. And right before they get to the Jordan River, the promised land is on the other side, and, and, and these tribes decide, this looks pretty cool right here. And they decide that this is a good place for cattle, this is a good place for our, you know, our livestock and all of that, and they ask permission from Moses, can we just stay here instead of going over there? We like it right here. All right, Moses made an agreement with him. That's, that's fine. If that's where you want to stay, if you're fine with this, if this is, your, this is going to be your spot, this is going to be your inheritance, uh, uh, but you got you to help your brethren. you got to help your brethren. All right, now Moses has died. Joshua takes over. They're fixing to cross over the Jordan River, and he goes back and, and reminds these tribes, and now look, now look, y'all got this, and this is yours, but you're going to come and help them. Does this make sense? You're going to come and help them. And, and it even specifically says this, you're going to go before. In other words, you're going to be the first ones to the battle. You're going to go lead the way. You're going to go armed before them. You're going to lead the way and help them. And help them till they find rest. Now, you say, how does that apply to us today? This is great. Everybody in here is at different places in your spiritual life. Every single person. From that wall to that wall, there's all kind of different places we're at. Some have experienced great victory. Some have experienced no victory. There are some lost people in here, and there's probably a majority of saved people in here. There's people in here that's never been saved. There's people that's been saved a long time. There's been people here that's just been saved for a short time. They're babes in Christ. They're just learning. There's people in here that's had a great struggle in their life. Great struggle, whether it might be addiction, whether it might be those type problems, and they just can't get victory. But then there's people that's gotten victory. There's people here who cannot get victory over cigarettes, and there's people in here that's gotten victory over cigarettes. Let me try to apply it so we can get it. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? But in this building, from the top to the bottom, we're all in different places. But according to this, this is teaching us this. If you are a victor, if God has given you a measure of victory in your life, if God has come and helped you and you have been victorious, no matter what it is, maybe it was victory in a marriage, maybe it was victory over an addiction, maybe, maybe it's victory over a sickness, whatever it might be. It might be you conquered cancer in your life and you overcome that. Whatever it might be, according to this verse, this verse is teaching us, if you have won, then it's your responsibility to help somebody else win. We have a responsibility to help our brethren. If you are a conqueror, if you are a victor, if God has given you a measure of victory, then it is your responsibility before you can sit back and enjoy what God has done for you. God expects you to go help out somebody else in the way that God's helped you. Say amen. You can't just sit back. Why do you think? Why do you think there are so many people, when they come out of a situation, they have a heart and a desire to help those same people that was in that situation? Are y'all with me? Let me give you a New Testament verse. Let me give you a New Testament verse. Look in your notes. <clears throat> Look in your notes. The Bible says, the Bible says in Joshua, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Are you there? 2 Corinthians, right underneath responsibility. As a victor, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in our tribulation. He helps us. He encourages us. He strengthens us. He gives us victory in our tribulation that we may be at that we. That we. God didn't deliver you so you could be comfortable. God didn't deliver you just so you could be out of the tribulation. Just so you could be out of that situation. Are y'all with me? Look what it says. He did that. He did that, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What does that mean? If God gives you a measure of victory, 
God wants you to take the measure of victory God has given you and help somebody else. If God has helped you, you have a responsibility, you have an obligation to go help somebody else that's in that situation. Oh, what if all of God's people would learn to help somebody else in the same thing they fought with? He said, you're not going to enjoy what you got till you help your brethren get what's coming to them. We got to help somebody. Listen, I, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, a friend of mine, a, a neighbor of my father's, who was a bad, bad alcoholic. <clears throat> Went through uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and all that. He's not saved. He's not a Christian, and 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 he 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 gained a measure of victory. He's sober now. Every single week, I think I think either two or three times a week, he's always going to meetings. He's always going, he's not even saved. Doesn't even know Jesus. But he understands the principle that I got help. I need to help somebody. And do you realize that's probably a great reason why he's still sober today? You say, preacher, I'm not, a, I, 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 sometimes it seems like I experience a small measure of victory, but it never lasts. It may be because you're hoarding it up. It may be because you're not going and helping somebody else get victory in their life. Y'all with me? Say amen. Listen. He comforts us in all our tribulations that we may be able to turn around and help somebody else. We have a responsibility. Not only that, but there's a reward for it. He said, when you get through and you help them gain their rest, he said, you can go back to yours and what? Say it again. Say it again. Let me ask you a question. How good can you enjoy something while you see somebody else struggle? It's hard to enjoy your ice cream when your brother ain't got one. Y'all with me? What's the point? I think God is speaking to us. I think tonight God wants us to understand how important your daily nutritional, spiritual walk with Him is. Why it's so important to read your Bible every day so you can have the strength and the stamina to have the, the victory over temptation in your life. But then He's speaking to some of us in here and saying, listen, you've gained victory and you've done nothing with it. You've gained your rest. You've gained your victory, but you're sitting back and you're watching other people struggle when you need to step up and volunteer or you need to step up and witness to them and step up and help them gain theirs. Matter of fact, it's at that point that you'll begin to enjoy your victory. I tell you this, there's nothing in the world by helping somebody over or helping somebody get over something that you've been over on you. Are y'all with me? And number three. Number three. Well, we're doing good with time. This is a miracle. We ain't over yet, though. I mean, I better shut up. I'm going to jinx it. All right. Number one, the vittles. Number two, the victors. Number three, the vows. All right. That was Joshua speaking. Now, the leaders. You see, everybody was designated. <clears throat> he had, there was, there was God speaking to Joshua. Then Joshua speaking to the, the basic leaders over all the different groups. And then those leaders would go out and, and communicate to all the people what Joshua has communicated to them. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch this. Watch this. I don't care how good a leader you are. If people are not following, you're not a leader. Now watch. This is something that's so important when it comes to victory. Because we've got to keep that in our head. That is our theme. That is what we're studying. That's what we're looking at. We, we're looking at victory. Joshua is going to be the one that leads, say that with me, he's going to be the one that leads the people into victory. So, in a sense, you can say Joshua is going to be responsible for their... Come on, people. Come on, people. Help me. Joshua is going to be responsible for their... Why? Because he's going to hear from God the instructions of what to do in the battle. Then he's going to communicate that to the people. 
and they have to follow him. If they expect to be... Does that make sense? Now watch. This is so important. This is so important to victory. This is going to make some of y'all go, aha! And it's going to make some of y'all go, oh me. Verse 16. All right? After Joshua told them what to do, this is their response. And they answered Joshua, saying, what's that word? Say it again. Say it again. All that thou commandest us, we will And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Then, Then it changes a little bit. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Then it changes again. In other words, we're going to have A, B, and C. That was B. Now here's C. Whosoever he be that doeth or doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. That's pretty stout. Say amen. Only be strong and of a good courage. Now, here's what I want you to see. Their vows. Their vows. First, A, they submitted to authority. All right, write that down. They submitted to authority. They said, all right, you're our leader. You're the authority that God has placed over us. Whatever you say, we're going to do. Wherever you send us, we're going to go. Whatever directions you share, we're going to hearken to you. We're going to listen to you. We're going to follow you just like we did Moses. Now, here's the thing. Some of us are not experiencing victory in our life because we got an attitude problem. Some of us have a problem with authority. And it started at home. If we don't teach little Johnny what no means at home. Now, now we can can spiritualize this or we can apply it to our country right now. There is so much disrespect for authority in our country today. I've seen videos and pictures of, of, of young people standing in, in policemen's face, screaming, and just, just such a disrespect for authority. Let me tell you something. God established authority. And he's pretty serious about it. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But one of the things, one of the things that was so instrumental in them being victorious in their life is they learned to submit to authority. Why? It was through. Now, you got to get this, guys. You got to get the whole picture. It was through their authority that they were going to be victorious. God was going to lead Joshua. Joshua was going to lead them. God would give instruction to Joshua. Joshua would instruct them. And by the way, there is a, there is a great responsibility with authority, too. Because authority messed up. Anyway, we'll get to that in chapter 2. Well, really, chapter 3 and 4. But anyway, it's coming. Because we all got responsibilities, those that's leading and those that's following. But here's the point. They said, whatever you get, hey, here we go. Now, let's apply that. you, You can do it to the church. Remember, God established three institutions. The home, the, uh, the, the human government, and the church. Those three institutions, God instituted. There's, there's a line of authority in all three of them, biblically speaking. God cares about authority. God cares about leadership in the way it's designed, in the way it's supposed to operate. Are y'all with me? Now watch. They submitted to authority. And then the second thing, this is great. Look what it says. B, it says this. After they said, we'll go wherever you want us to go, we'll do whatever you want us to do, uh, we'll hearken unto you, then it says this. Now, watch this. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. They didn't just, they didn't just submit to authority. They prayed for authority. You say, what did they pray for? They prayed that the hand of God would be upon them. You know what the greatest prayer that this church could ever pray for me? Is that I would have the hand of God on me. 
I was talking to a, a church leader of another church that's, that's, that's looking into a pastor. <clears throat> They're without a pastor at the, at the moment, and a, a new pastor's coming in, and, and uh, he was sitting there telling me the different <clears throat> requirements or the different, um, help me, stuff you got to have that they're asking for. Credentials, qualifications, there you go, there you go. And uh, as far as degrees and all that kind of stuff, and I said, listen, the most important thing he can have is the anointing. You can have more degrees than a thermometer, and it not do you no good. I guarantee you, I'd rather see somebody that didn't have all that much talent, but they had the hand of God on them and could sing, then I, somebody's got all the talent in the world and have no anointing on them. They prayed. This is what they prayed. Now, we know you're, you're the leader. God has designated you the leader, and we pray that the hand of God, the anointing of God will be upon you. The presence of God will be upon you. Boy, every, 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 and I, I, I I wish somebody else was up here preaching this so I could get back there and amen. Because it, it, when, when, when you're saying it it, it, it almost seems arrogant. But I hope y'all know me enough to know that's not, that's anything but the case. When I surrendered to preach, some of y'all have heard this a hundred times. I had, one of my heroes was Brother Melvin Biggs, Dr. Melvin Biggs. He was a former Navy SEAL. He's a preacher. Oh, my goodness, he was a preacher. And I, I would tell people, you know, I, I surrendered to preach on such and such a Sunday, and, uh, and, and everybody, without fail, Tim, they'd say, congratulations, man, that's wonderful, that's, that's all. I sat across the table from Dr. Biggs, and this was at a, 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 in a preacher's fellowship type thing. It was at a camp meeting. They were eating after the service in the fellowship hall. And I was expecting the same response. I was expecting him to say, all right, I'm proud of you, son, and all that. And, and he, set his, he set his fork down. He never cracked a smile. And with the most serious voice and the most serious tone I've ever heard in my life, I'm telling you, I could hear it in my, my ears right now. He looked at me eyeball to eyeball, and he made sure our eyes made contact. He said, boy, he tells everybody, boy. If you was here, he'd tell you that too. He could kill you 13 different ways while you're smiling. Say amen. <laughs> Travis, am I exaggerating any of this? He said, boy, preachers are a dime a dozen. He said, but real men of God are few and far between. Now, man, I just, I started trembling. Now, here's the thing. Every church needs a man of God. But every man of God needs people willing to follow. They submitted, but then they prayed for it. They said, we pray that the hand of God will be on you like he was with Moses. The greatest thing a people could do for their authority is to pray for them. Now in just a second, ho, 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 ho. I need more time. I'm going to show you where this fits, not just at church, but it fits in the home with children and parents, with, with, with younger and elder. With, we, we studied Sunday about the, the government and, and how our responsibility there in First Peter isn't it amazing how God's just working all this together? Then number three, they, not, they submitted to their authority, they prayed for their authority, and then they supported their authority. They supported their authority. Look what they say. Please hurry, 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 hurry. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to what? Now watch. This is what they're saying. <clears throat> this is what they're saying. Joshua, you go ahead and lead. 
and we got you back. You see, Joshua cannot make them follow him. But what they were saying, you go ahead and lead, and if one of these turkeys out here wants to get sideways with you, we'll deal with him. And they were basically saying, we have your back. You, you lead. You do what God is telling you to do. You operate with the hand of God on you, and we'll support you. We'll support you. Now, let me say something about that. That's easy to do on this side of Jordan. But it's a little different when he asks you to march seven times around the city and do nothing else. You want us to do what? Sometimes God will tell the man of God some crazy stuff. I've been in staff meetings. I've been in staff meetings, and I'll, 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 I'll share an idea that I feel like God's doing, and, and this will be the response. Or, there's no way that's going to work. Now, there's been times I said, well, let's talk about it. Let's come up with an idea. And there's sometimes said, no, this is what God said. And, and that, without fail, without fail, they said, well, let's do what God said. And it works every time. If I know that God said it. Now, if I don't, we'll talk about it. Because they're smarter people in the room than me. Say amen. But sometimes, I know. Now watch. Now watch. Here's what God thinks about authority and your support of authority. Now here's the thing. Look at your notes. Look at your notes. I'm going to give you the good and the bad. Can y'all, can y'all listen quick? Because i got two minutes. I'm going to do this quick. This will show what God thinks about our treatment of the authorities in our life. All right? In Genesis, matter of fact, matter of fact, go over to Genesis real quick. Turn fast, 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 fast. Genesis 39. We're going to read about Joseph. Now, Joseph is God's man. Joseph was chosen by God. Joseph was picked by God to, to uh, 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 be the one to deliver a great group of people when that famine. And it took God a process to get him there, but he is God's man. Can we all say amen right there? Now watch this. Chapter 39, Genesis. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him at the hands of the Ishmaelites, which he had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. All right, that tells me he's God's man. The Lord was with him. Amen? Now watch. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed who? Who? The Egyptian's house. For whose sake? Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. Who? The Egyptian. What does that mean? God bless the Egyptian for the Egyptian being good to Joseph. God, now think about this. God blessed the Egyptian because of the Egyptian's treatment of Joseph. That this man's blessing God's man, God bless this man. You see that? You see how God is tickled with the way that he treats God's man? Now watch, 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 watch. I'm not going to turn to it, but you turn to it at home. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. This is Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Do you all remember what happened there? She had just enough meal that she's going to cook some bread and die. And Elijah said, make me, make me bread first. Make me bread first. You take care of me first. Now, in great faith, she did, and guess what? She was delivered through the famine. The, the, the cruise of oil never went out, and the meal never ran out. God blessed her because she blessed God's man. 
What do you think God thinks about our treatment of God's man? Here's another one. Here's another one. How about 2 Kings? How about Elisha? How about Elisha? You remember when, you remember when he went to the, the woman that says there was a great woman? And I give you, the, I give you the, the, the chapter right there. And she fed him. She gave him a room to stay in and a table and a bed. And guess what? God gave her a son because of her treatment of God's man. Was, was basically her authority. All right? You see how God cares about our treatment of authority. What does it say? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he goes on to say this, that you may be well and live a long time. You with me? God cares about our treatment of the authority over us. You with me? Now let's look at the negative side of that. All right, that's good. It's a proven thing. It's a proven thing. God blesses those that bless his people. Period. There's a, there's a guy, you say, all oh, that's Bible stuff. There was a gentleman in my dad's church down in South Florida. Every single year on my dad's birthday, they bought, he, he bought dad a pair of cowboy boots. Every single year. It didn't matter. Every single, and I ain't talking about, I'm talking about eel skin wounds and that back when the, the, the cobra skin and the, and, and the snake and all that stuff, whatever the deal was at that year, took care of him. He, he was a, a, a used car salesman at the time. Now, I think he just sold his last dealership, and he's a multimillionaire today, and is still blessing my dad. I'm telling you. I, have said, I can give you illustration after illustration of people that's been good to me, and God blessed their businesses, and God blessed them because of their treatment and goodness to his man. Period. I'm telling you, I can give you illustration after illustration. But on the negative side, on the negative side, Korah rose up against Moses. I give you chapters in your... No, I didn't. Write it down. It's right here. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Read it. Korah rose up against Moses and said, You got too much authority. God will speak to us just like... And y'all know what happened. When it was all said and done, go read it. That'll be your homework. God opened up the earth and swallowed Korah down into hell. Why? Because his treatment of God's man. All right, here's another one. Miriam, Moses' own sister. Miriam and Moses' brother got to running their chops about Moses. That's in, that's in Numbers 12. Numbers 12, write that down. You, you'd think Korah would have known better after he seen what God did to Miriam for running his mouth about Moses. God struck her with leprosy. And because of Moses' prayer, God healed her. Are y'all with me? But it was all because of their treatment of the authority that God placed over them. Are you with me? Here's another one. 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. You say, what is this one? Elisha, the prophet, apparently he was bald-headed. Apparently 42 children thought that's real funny and started mocking him. And God sent she-bears out of the woods and ate them. All 42 the words there, go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head. They wish they never said that. Go read it. Now, I'm, I'm using a little humor because that's kind of just, whoo. But I'm telling you, God takes it serious how you treat the authority over you. Let me give you a New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, right there in your notes. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Talking about the leadership in the church. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Read the rest. If you're always giving the leadership in your, in your life grief, 
That's not a good thing. And it may be that you're struggling with the battle that you're facing because you're not following the authority God has placed in your life to help you attain victory in your life. Let me illustrate. Children rebelling against their parents. When God gave them their parents to help lead them and guide them and provide for them and protect them and, to, and they bow up against the parents, that's not good. The worst funeral I've ever been to in my entire life, two teenage girls, I, I think younger than 14 years old, snuck out the house and went off with some guys that were way older than them and they took them and beat them to death. Why? They rebelled against the authority in their life. God cares about how we treat the authority in our life. Children, spouses, listen, at, at work, it's not just at church. It's not just at church, it's at work. If you have somebody over you, they're your authority. And even though they may not be a good person, God placed them there. And, and dependent, listen, it doesn't matter how they treat you. You treat them like God said it, and God will take care of them. I want to be victorious. Well, we may need to learn to submit and support and pray for the authority over us, and God will use them to lead us into victory. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Let's all pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for the